0: folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 152 today. We're going to be talking about consciousness and migration uh, with author Ian Jaded, who's been on the show a couple times before. Uh, Before we get going, why don't you head on over to our Patreon page and check us out at patreon.com slash mindescapepodcast. We added some new tiers there. And, um, also head on over to IndrasWeb.org, which is the app that we created. Uh, Indra's web is a place to have, um, you know, philosophical debates and discourse and all that kind of wonderful stuff on metaphysics and metaphysical topics and fringe things. And without any sort of riffraff that you'd find on other apps. So go check that out, sign up, you'll get an alert when the app goes live and, um, Welcome back, Ian. And also, oh, I wanted to point out, I did put the link for Ian's new book, Migration, down below the video, so you can check that out. And um, yeah, what's going on? Welcome back.
1: Thanks, guys. How you guys doing?
0: Good, good. Hey, How man. are you?
1: Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Doing good. Uh, yeah, just uh, I've been busy. I've not been doing shows for a couple of months now. I've been knocking out this... This next book, migration, and uh, I am 99% there. The uh, we were talking earlier. The the ebook, the Kindle, is probably what I gave you the link for. That should be available basically on October 1st. That should be good to go. The paperback, yeah, the paperback. Uh, I've got a little bit of a hiccup. Uh, that's supposed to be released tomorrow as well. I've got to figure out. I got to figure out what Amazon wants from me. They probably want my blood at this point, but uh, you know that's when the beast calls for your blood, you give it your blood. So that's that is that is where we are at. And uh, but uh, and so then we'll talk about migration a little bit. But um, yeah, that's my second book. My first book was Tripping the Field. Tripping the Field was fiction, complete nonsensical fiction, and uh, migration is uh, nonfiction. This is more of a This is more of a study. This is more research, more of a documentary type of a type of a style of book. And so this is the book where I'm talking much more directly and candidly to the reader about my philosophy and my experiences. And I'm I'm doing it in a way I've never heard someone try to tackle or try to approach the subject of paranormal states of consciousness from the direction that I'm going at with migration migration is uh again it's it's created by me so and i am it it might help to, to to back up a little bit and talk a little bit about you know those those of you who have no idea who i am i am an artist and an author and a consciousness researcher i've been writing uh, articles and I've been doing research on the topic of paranormal or altered states of consciousness for years and years. And this all started with what they call lucid dreaming. Back when I was about 18, 19 years old, I started lucid dreaming, and that progressively moved into what they generally refer to as astral projection uh, a mm-hmm. phrase I'm not real fond of, but that's that's the that's the word we're using, out-of-body experiences. That's another fine phrase. And the thing about me is that I'm when it comes down to it, I'm an atheist. I'm I am a skeptic to the last. So these experiences over the years have I've really had to wrestle with them and decide, what do I do with this? Once I once I prove to myself that consciousness is something that can indeed leave the bounds of the physical mind and body i had to kind of rework my philosophy a bit and go well what is you know what does that mean exactly what does that mean about consciousness? and of course when i started studying consciousness i i found you know, fairly quickly that, you know, no one really knows what it is. No one really has an idea. Uh, I mean, they have ideas. There's lots of theories out there. And most of the traditional ideas are that it is something that is manufactured in the brain. And it is something that, you know, it's created perhaps at some point during, you know, you know, when we are being born or when we're in the womb at some point, no one's really sure exactly, you know, when this takes place. And all I can say is that what I had learned was that it, whatever it is, whatever consciousness may be, whether it's a a field of energy, whether it is actually a physical manifestation at all, or if it's if it's electrical, if it's something like uh you know the electromagnetic frequency, I I don't know what it is, but what I do know is that it's something that can leave the bounds of the physical body. I have done this now hundreds and hundreds of times and I came back with so much personal proof that this was possible, I had to simply adapt what, you know, my philosophy, my my entire worldview. And I've been working on working on with these ideas for years and years now. So with with my first book, Tripping the Field, I I kind of took everything that I was learning and I threw it into fiction. And I wrote a book that was at 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 one time Uh, completely insane it's 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 an adventure ride through you know all kinds of different global adventures and there's a lot of philosophy there's uh there's a lot it's kind of a horror book as well there's like there's creatures and whatnot god bless you thank you um certainly Uh, and so i i tried to take all of my truths and put it into a into a narrative with tripping the field and now with migration, I've tr- what I'm trying to do is find a way to get my readers to really adapt to the philosophy that I'm coming from at this point. What I learned was that it took me years to understand that it didn't matter what I said, what stories I came back with, you know for people. It didn't matter what I what I had to convey to the masses you know n- none of none of the stories ultimately really do anything for anyone else i mean especially for someone like myself who doesn't i don't have faith i mean i, I have no traditional concept of, of of faith in anything so um well, I, well let me ask you would this tell me these stories, <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I, I don't think you can argue with this is that you know we're here we're living breathing magic right. we're stardust yeah. you know like so in a certain sense that that's magic enough so i get what you're saying about you know thinking (laughs) but i i think it is because i mean when you look at even evolution evolution has a purpose so there's some sort of purpose happening now what's that exact purpose i don't know that's something i've been searching for and looking at uh and researching now for a long time teleology and telos and all that kind of stuff so um I think that uh i i don't have faith in some zeus looking guy in the sky or anything like that but i do have some sense that there is you know whether it's you know i try and marry all the different things western philosophy eastern philosophy all those kinds of things and kind of come up with my own idea of what it is and it's this connective energy um and we all, in a sense, are part of big one big thing. So what is that? I don't know what that is. But there is some sort of... We, we all have this thing called energy, right? So right. Um, that's kind of how I look at it.
1: And, and essentially that is where I'm coming from. I, you know, When you get past uh, all of what I say about atheism, it really just comes down to that when I say I'm an atheist, I really just mean... At, at the heart that I, I don't believe in the supernatural. And I mean that literally, I mean that I don't believe that any of this phenomenon is above nature. It's nothing supernatural. It's it, it's all perfectly, It's I think all of this is completely within the realm of physics, but it may be natural laws and physics that we simply don't quite understand yet. And that is you know, that's the journey that we've been on for forever since we've even come up with the scientific method. So, you know, that's kind of, that's, that's, that's my definition for, for me, my definition of atheism. So I'm not, I, I always say that I'm not sure the new atheists like, uh, you know, Dawkins or Sam Harris would, would let me into their club uh, with, with, with the stuff that's got, I've got rolling around in my brain, but uh, that, that's how I look at it. I'm Like, I know that all these things are, are natural processes. So whatever consciousness is, and I, I agree, I think that I believe that there is ultimately only one consciousness when you get down through the layers of self-identity, of the the narratives that we carry in our head, and that really is the heart of migration. In a way, migration is is a study of media, and when I say media, I mean like anything that we look at. On our screens, all of our many, many screens—from our phones to uh, to movie theaters to—and even the narratives in the books that we read, our responses, the way we respond to electronic stimuli, the way we respond to storylines, is mm-hmm. is a direct reflection of how our minds look at the world. I, in fact, I I often say that media is is really it's the mind. Externalized. We're like looking at maybe not our mind, but we're look. You know, when we when we look at anything that's going on on the internet, on our phones, in the in in movies or whatever, we're looking at someone's the human mind externalized in a way that we can that we can connect with it. Mm. And that and I think that there's a lot to learn from that. It's there's a lot to learn in how we respond to story. You know, our mind, our mind, very minds work in stories. I don't think the, the format of a of a story, you know, the typical idea of the hero's journey that, uh, you know, that Joseph Campbell created uh, some 70, 80 years ago, I, I don't think that any of that was uh, was something different than the way that our minds operate. It was very much a reflection of the way our minds take, take information in, a lot of information. I mean, throughout the day, of course, we are... Our minds, our brains job, it, it has evolved to take in masses and masses of amounts of information and siphon it down, right? I mean, to kind of edit it down and make it streamlined into a nice little, well, this happened and then this happened. And then this, then I had this problem and then I solved it this way, right? But that, you know, that's, it's, it's what we love. We love to look at these highly edited versions of reality. It, it, it kind of takes chaos and it makes it linear it makes it uh, a little bit more manageable and we are we can learn a lot about who we are in the face of that because i believe that underneath all of those narratives that we are interacting with whether they are coming from our media or they're coming from our own internal thoughts beneath all of that if we can get beneath all of those layers we are something that as you said we're something that's magical. We're something that is far more free than we genuinely, that we generally realize is, is, is my point, you know, and I, and I've proven this to myself, you know, when you can get beyond those layers, you can get beyond your own identity, the story that you tell about who you are, you are something that has no bounds. You can even move beyond the bounds of your own body in fact so i find that study fascinating and i think that i think there's a way that i'm trying to express this to other people in a way that's that's a little bit more radical than just this is how you you know these are a little little meditation technique or this is just a, a a little trick that you can do to get yourself into lucid dreaming for example that's one gateway into into astral projection if that all makes sense. I just threw a lot at you. Yeah, I no, I
0: that. mean it, it does. Um Ooh, I like that. You you brought up the new atheists. I think the only problem I have with them, I mean I have other problems, but one of the problems is um they're hedging their bets on the future of science. And anybody that you, you, I know you follow science, physics, quantum physics, all this stuff. We're at a standstill. There's no marriage between classical physics and quantum physics. There's lots of problems. People are getting frustrated. Um, And when you look at, they're hedging their bets on the fact that, oh, you know, Occam's Razor, it's just a function of the brain. You know, it's just, you know, um, it's just something that happens. I forget the analogy, but it's just... A process within the brain and the problem i have with that is if you're hedging your bet on science science has changed so much over the last hundred years and you look at 200 years 300 years you know and and not they're not like obvious changes in the sense of like a natural progression there's been some wacky twists and turns right so that would be my only argument with that whole you know consciousness is just a byproduct of brain function that's the you know because if that's the case, what happens when you know with all the psychedelic research? What if they find something absolutely nuts? Would that change their mind? I mean, Richard Dawkins has already admitted, uh, Joe Rogan, that he's never done a, uh, a psychedelic and he's kind of against it. You know, so it's like, isn't
1: that, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw that too, and I was kind of a little disappointed. Like, well, what are you afraid of? You know, and and maybe it, and you don't it's, have it, to. It I'm to. not, but don't, but right, don't
0: right. disparage it and, and act like that. It's not some important thing. It's the only thing you can do. In waking state that can alter your consciousness to the point where you're almost in a different realm
1: yes indeed uh-huh. and and i would say that psychedelics that ties into everything that i'm talking about there's a lot of ways to peel away those layers of and i it's layers of context you know we, we live in a context through our daily life you know when, when we wake up in the morning we have a very different context than the one that we were possibly having just perhaps an hour ago when we were asleep. You know, when you're asleep and you're dreaming, you are completely sold into a context and that context can be insane. I mean, it can be something nuts. You know, you can imagine that you are anything in a dream, right? But then, and then you wake up in the morning and you go, "Oh, well, that was just a dream," and I can toss that out. Now I'm in a new context. Now I'm this person who's, you know, I got to get up and I got to go get ready and I'm going to work and then I'm going to go to lunch and then I'm going to come home. And you have a whole other storyline. So my my attitude is that when you get below all those those stories, you get below all those below all of those narratives, you have something that uh, is not quite, it, it's far more intangible. And psychedelics can do that very quickly. Uh, I, I know that you guys have talked about many times DMT on this program, and it's not that DMT is the end-all be-all psychoactive, but um, I believe it was Terrence McKenna who said if, if you want to, you know, basically rewire your your entire context of your thinking, you know, real fast, DMT is the fastest way to do it, and you will see very quickly what's, you know, what, what reality thinks about all of those layers of your personal identity and your, your personal story of who you are, it'll just fluff it off and you will be elsewhere for, mm-hmm. for lack of a lack of a better, uh, lack of a better phrase. So,
0: right. I, yeah. I like to combine them too. You know, my favorite compounds actually psilocybin and I think sil- uh, macrodose macro of psilocybin with meditation and darkness is probably I, I, one of my favorite things. But, um, you know,
1: Terence McKenna would agree. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, Heroic dose. Um,
1: uh, heroic dose.
0: Now, <laughs> yeah. watch I, out! I want to ask you too. So, y- your first book, like you mentioned, was about lucid dreaming. You know, the whole hold your hand up in front of your face while you're coming out. You know, in the dream, and you know, yes. deuce it that way. And we talked about before too when you were on the show a couple times in the past uh, how becoming better at meditation and more comfortable with meditation can help you induce the lucid dreaming. Um, do you think that, you know, with your new book migration, that that's ultimately what human beings that are aware of these things are trying to do is trying to move in this direction where, whether it's via neuroplasticity or psychedelic use or whatever, we're trying to engineer our minds to, to go beyond what we're capable of now through some sort of um, external, you know, compounds or forces or whatever.
1: Yeah, I think we have a thirst specifically for the truth. We are a species that, is, that craves deeper levels of the truth. Think about... Even and I'm going to go back to media again because again, media is very much a reflection of what's going on with our with our innermost thinking. Some of the most the most uh, fascinating movies that have been released in the you know over the years, things like The Matrix or Inception, stuff like that, or my book Tripping the Field. You know, all of this kind of deals with a very similar notion that we are drawn to this idea that that there's more to our reality that there is this there's a possibility that we can wake up to to the real truth of our reality and if we do wake up to the truth of our reality we'll have uh powers for example not that that is the end all be all of everything but we will have uh a capacity that We never dreamt of before. Mm. I mean, the same thing. I mean, you know, in the in the in the Matrix stories, of course, you know, what the more that Neo becomes more aware that, you know, oh, that's right, this is just a computer program. I understand. He understands the bigger picture then, and once he understands the bigger picture, you know, then he's able to do amazing things, right? In the Matrix, but there's no. This isn't coincidence that these are all connected to our absolute reality. And one of those layers of reality is absolutely lucid dreaming. So I'm trying to get people to the point where, and I think that they crave this. I think people are craving this, this awareness, this, this, uh, this, this wokeness, so to speak. Um, and some of it can start in your dream state. It can start in meditation. Uh, for me, it started in my dream states personally, but it is absolutely also a truth, just like in Inception or The Matrix, where you know we we have these characters who who have they come into these 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 scenarios with a much larger worldview. They know exactly what's really going on, and they're able mm-hmm. to kind of manipulate things in ways that are godlike, so to speak. But that is the exact thing that's happening in our lucid dreams. The when you are following a normal dream state, you are And the way I say it, you're kind of chained at the neck, you know, you could, you know, Plato's cave, so to speak, you're kind of chained to a scenario that's playing out in front of you, right? And Mm -hmm. you are, there is a drama that's going on. And if you buy that drama hook, line and sinker, you are attached to it, you are kind of just, you're just being led around, you know, like a, a dog on a leash, so to speak. Right. And you, know, you you can't help, but just go, Oh, okay. Well, you know, this makes total sense. I'm a CIA agent on planet X and I'm trying to destroy some criminal conspiracy organization, you know, whatever nonsense that, that, that has been thrown at you. But when you wake up, when you become lucid, uh, when you become lucid in your dream and you, and all of that stops and the true definition of course of lucid dreaming is really that you are fully aware that all of those storylines are completely just going on in some part of your consciousness. It's just another, it's nothing that's being imposed on you. It's just another storyline that's that, that you can detach from. And when you do that, you, you are in many ways, uh, you're a God, uh, you know, it, it just like, uh, you, you might be like, you know, if you had the, 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 the tools for in the Matrix or in Inception or any of these other things that, you know, once you are in control of those devices, you could do whatever you wanted to do. And that's true for lucid dreaming. You start finding that, wow I could just manifest whatever I want to in front of me or I could just go wherever I want to. Mm-hmm. And and of course, as the years for me, as the years went by, I started realizing that when I say you could go wherever you want to, that that I could get information that I should not have had access to, you know, what other people were doing across the country, you know, uh, hundreds of miles away from me. And I could I could see what friends and family were doing exactly, you know. And I would I would come back, wake up in the morning and go, oh, I wonder if that was actually what, you know, what my girlfriend was actually doing at the time or what my brother was actually up to at that point. And I, you know, after a while I started making out of curiosity, I just started making phone calls and I started going, all right, so what were you, what were you doing at, you know, eight in the morning, you know, when I was asleep. And when the more stories that came in, they started just piling up higher and higher of exactly what I was witnessing. So, so when I, so I, so when I say that, you know, when you can attain this freedom from your narrative, It's amazing what can happen, and we're seeing that in the dream states. There's a lot of there's you know there's there's suddenly this renewed interest. It seems like in our society, with not just the media that I'm talking about, but in psychedelics, in lucid dreaming, and astral projection, and all of these things are connected. And to me, the ultimate connection is, it's the magic is that you need to rise above your context or the narrative that you're trapped in. Mm. Yeah,
0: it's funny.
2: Yeah, Mike, we're talking about that kind of, uh, earlier this year with my spiritual awakening and yeah. it might be more of a, on a, like a, on a simpler level where if you tell yourself every day that you're a shy person, that narrative yeah. kind of gets uh, implemented into you and you become Absolutely. a shy person through and through. But if you start, if you stop telling yourself that story, then you can break out of that mold and the sky's the limit. You could be the most outgoing person in the world. It's just people get trapped in these stories that they tell themselves day to day and, that's a very interesting uh, observation you've been making there.
1: It, it, what you've just said—it's not—it's not simplistic, though, Maurice. that's exactly what I'm talking about, and it starts with—it can start with little things like that, where you start just focus on what it is you're telling yourself all day long like what kind of stories do you have going on about yourself you know uh-huh. and you know maybe not even going maybe not even starting with uh, what you think about the world at large or with your friends and family or you know society or anything but just start with yeah little things like that like man what am i telling myself all day long you know what what is that voice in the back of my head telling me all day long and is it reliable you know a lot of people have this idea that they are their thinking mind. And that is one of the things that I am, I'm, that's one of the first things I'm trying to detach people from. When I, well, I think of the thinking mind as definitely being a, a construct of the, it's part of the physical body, you know, all of the, the neuro, neuron connections that are going on in our head, that is, you know, that, that is a real physical thing. And I have no problem with, with any of that level with, with uh, you know, with neurology. But what I'm saying is that there is something bigger than that. There is a something that is standing even further back away from all of all of our nervous system, the complexity of our nervous system. And I, I call it consciousness. I don't know what else to call it. But you can, the consciousness seems to sort of get mesmerized. It's like it gets mesmerized by these repeated stories we tell ourselves. You keep tell you keep telling yourself, oh, I'm a shy person, or I can't do this, or I'm afraid of this, or whatever. That will absolutely be your reality if you keep telling yourself that and my advice first and foremost is to first of all be aware of it don't try to change it don't try to do anything with it number one is be aware of those of those stories you know if you keep telling yourself things like you know I'm a shy person just first of all pay attention to it and notice when the mind brings this up notice it that you know awareness is always the key. It's always the first place you start. Are you aware of what you're, you know, the crap that you're telling yourself? And are you a, are you a a reliable narrator? (laughs) You know, at the end, that's that's kind of the question. You know, we've learned to do that. We learned to do that in, you know, with the books that we read or the stories we watch. You start going, hey, is this character I'm watching or I'm reading about, are they reliable? Are they telling me the truth? But rarely do we stop and ask that of ourselves. Like, is my thinking accurate? And my God, if if more people did that, what a what an amazing what a more amazing world we could live in if more people were just questioning what they what they what they think. You know, that's uh, it's amazing.
0: I mean, lately I've been looking at the world as kind of like, what the hell is going on? In the sense that, um, everybody's playing. Te- we all have Michael. Everybody's playing telephone. Like everybody repeats shit that they've heard and just expand on it based on their own ideas but in 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 the essence there's really only a finite amount of like things that most people talk about and i think that when you're talking about meditation and you're talking about lucid dreaming and psychedelics and all these things they break you free from those chains and allow you to tap into I had a recent psilocybin experience, and I've talked about it on our trip report series that we did, uh, where um, I went into this world and I was being told, this is the realm of imagination. Like when you go deep on psilocybin or whatever else I guess you're taking, that you're tapping into pure imagination and pure creativity, so when you have these visionary people Um, whether it's a Steve jobs coming up with an iPad or whatever, iPhone or whatever, you know, this guy went to, you know, a shaman and, you know, now he's, you know, invented this or what, there's a lot of visionary people that have had psychedelic experiences or had spiritual leaders or whatever the case may be. So I feel like if you can get out of this consciousness one way or another, um, you, you start to become a more real, person than just this waking reality because it's just a big i don't know it's just a bunch of stuff recycled to me lately like whether it's tv or music like it's i just i'm listening to people that have no originality or original thought
1: yeah Yeah, and and the i think that's kind of how the brain works because i think the brain is is limited you get these stories in your head and some people are you know again the reason we are attracted to narratives and stories to begin with is because, again, I'm going to come back to that's the way our brain evolved. Our brain has to. It has to take in billions and billions of points of data throughout the day, right? And it has to crunch it down into something that, that's manageable. And that what what I'm saying is by, by manageable, I mean it's a storyline usually. Mm-hmm. It's some sort of narrative that… Uh, you know, and we have a narrative for, you know, if I ask somebody, well, hey, what did you do today? Well, they're going to tell me point by point in a sort of narrative storyline sort of way. Well, I did this and I did this and I did this. And it's a highly edited, very highly edited, you know, breakdown of what actually happened. And but we do that in our heads all day long. We're doing this, you know, with our entire lives, you know, like, well, you know, if someone asked you, so tell me about, you know, yourself as a person, you know you'd have some highly edited context that you would, you would feed to someone. And I'm not saying that it's completely untrue, but every store, no story can ever tell the full, the full thing, right? It can never bring across all of the information that has actually been played out. That would be impossible. Right? So I think we're, we're addicted. We're addicted to making, uh, chaos, uh, seem very much simple and so i think you know when you talk about people who just keep repeating the same thing in their heads again and again sometimes i think it's come it comes out of fear you know Mm -hmm. it's like they just it's like this is the little story that i'm comfortable with and i like this this little narrative that i'm being fed and i'm just going to keep on rolling rolling through it it makes me feel safe and uh i mean that's fine but you know it's dangerous too, and it's miserable. I mean, it's right. like it is. It's like living in a cage. You know, it's a, a cage that you can't where you can't really see the bars. You know, well, it's you, like
0: you uh, know what it is though. It, now that you're saying, well, what you're mentioning is just came to mind. Mo- you know what it? It's like one of those stories or even a movie where they you have the main part, the part that everybody watches, <laughs> and then you have like pick your own ending or pick your own route kind of a thing. But it's still planned out. There's still only a finite amount of things that are possible in that moment it can happen, right? but people for some reason are you know they latch onto the main narrative and then they think that by them picking that they're picking their own destiny or reality, and you know we can get into a whole another conversation about free will and all that business but uh <laughs> but for the most part, what I'm trying to say is I feel like. For most people, like you were saying, day to day consciousness, they do this, they do that, they wake up, they drink coffee, they go to work, they, you know, and then there's only a fi- finite amount of uh, variables off of that. So if you live your life like that for most of your life or all of your life, um, I think even just one meditation or one psychedelic, you know, just that would be so profound to somebody that's kind of stuck into that kind of a uh, uh, mentality.
1: It can be extremely life-changing, and like you said, it can just be one one experience. For me, my first impactful experience was a lucid dream, but it could have been anything. I mean, it could have been a meditation. It could have been psychedelics, and later it was psychedelics. I mean, later, and it, was, it wasn't was that long after my first lucid dream that I started experimenting with, uh, with LSD at first, and that was outside of Chicago that was for a long time that was all we could really get a hold of it was it was good it was really powerful LSD and uh you know that stuff packs a wallop and uh mm-hmm. and I definitely had the, a very similar response to it like I could not believe that a a drug could do something so profound mm. and I you know and of course it took me still years and years to understand that ultimately the meditation that I was after, the, the lucid dreaming that I was experiencing, and the psychedelics, were all ultimately doing the same thing. And it again, it's it was they were able to peel away my ordinary context of my life and go, you know, that's just, you know, my life, my story for who Ian is is such a, just a, a tiny little fragment of the larger picture of what's really out there of of what i can connect to and uh you know and yeah and, and meditation does that in the way that now when i say meditation let me be specific i'm specifically referring to for lack of a better uh, lack of a better phrase a a zen style of meditation where you are just kind of uh you are trying to turn off the internal dialogue you're trying to just be conscious and i i say that that, that to me is the most important goal for a meditation because you know if you want to get below all of those layers of narrative and all the storylines that you have you know you keep telling yourself you have to be able to first of all move beyond your internal thinking and uh that is something that we are as humans or especially in the west that's not something we're really taught that's not something that most of us grew up with you know maybe in other cultures that's something that they that they teach their children like hey this is just part of learning how to use, you know, your brain, you know, you also have to learn how to shut it off too. You know, we're, we're very good at learning how to be logical. we've, or we got very good at acquiring more and more education and more knowledge. And, you know, so much of our education system was based on just, you know, rote memorization of all this information, but we never learned that it's very important to be able to shut all of that off and step aside from it and that's again that could be very scary for people because once you take that leash off you know the, all those questions start coming up like well if i'm not being led around by some story well then who is in charge and you know what, what if i do the wrong thing and if you know if i suddenly have all this responsibility you know sometimes it does come down to responsibility some people just they want somebody else to tell them what to think, they want somebody else to be in charge. They want somebody else to hold the leash. It makes life very easy, right? Mm. But my God, is that dull! It's so, it's so dull. Right. Uh, uh, there's no adventure. You know,
2: that's that's exactly the, the the whole thing, though. It's it's whatever's easiest for these people. And like we were talking earlier about getting into these uh these stories, these stories become the comfort. They become easy, so they, they just are. keep going with it. But yeah. they obviously, uh when you're living in such a comforted zone that's when the trouble begins you know you got to you got to shake it up you got to go out there you got to travel you got to try new things you got to have new experiences cuz that's in my mind that's what living's all about
1: or it will be shaken up for you is what i find and i find that there's sometimes a you know almost a a logic to the way the universe seems to play out sometimes like you know if you get if you let yourself be stuck for too long it almost seems like if you don't do something, eventually something will happen where your entire life is turned upside down. And, yeah. uh, and it's often, you know, how often during these times, I, I'm sure that you guys have experienced this. I have certainly experienced this in my life where, you know, it was impressed upon me where my whole life was just turned upside down. And I had to completely step back and reevaluate, okay, who am I? What do I really believe in? What do I want? You know, all mm-hmm. all those, you know, those big questions. And uh uh, but I would say that the more you meditate the the smoother you're gonna be able to deal with all of those transitions and uh, and sc- the scary times which the world is going through right now I mean right now even just with this with this virus I, I mean this is upturning so many people's lives right now and it's it's tragic and it's sad it's scary and everything like that but it's also, At the same time, we cannot forget that it is also an incredible opportunity for us to reevaluate all of those deep issues of what it is, what's really important. What do we really want? You know, when all of that's Mm -hmm. thrown up in the air, that's when you get a chance to really go, all right, well, so what do I need? What do I, you know, what do Mm -hmm. I, and how much, how much chaos can I really deal with? You know, we are very, we're more powerful than we give ourselves credit for so and that's something that uh when we go into a meditation or which i believe true meditation i believe that takes courage just like psychedelics do when, when you go into a psychedelic state a really intense trip uh i would i would i'd be shocked to hear if anybody just said that they were always completely cool with it and completely calm you know every time i you know i've taken you know the heroic doses we were talking about you don't <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen you well, just that's don't what know we what talked really about on the trip
0: reports I, every time i take it doesn't matter what it, what substance or how much yeah. i have that feeling yeah. of what did i just do you know what like,
1: do? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. what's 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 it going to do to me this i barely time? took anything
2: last time and i go what did i do <laughs>
1: I've had that happen even on edibles with cannabis, even where I'm just like, Oh my God, like I just, I just took a lot. I'm like, Whoa, I'm kind of losing my, uh, losing my crap here a little bit. Like it's, but that's awesome. You know, you're, you're supposed to be shaken up a little bit, you know, by that. But again, if you know how to center yourself, you know, you know, it's, it's about, again, not relying on all that internal chatter on all those stories you got going on in your head. If you have, if you have a security in that, hey man i'm something bigger than this i am i am that consciousness that is aware of all those stories those stories can come and go about who i am all of those details that i've been clinging onto for you know so tightly it's okay that those change it's okay that i throw those out it's okay that I, you know i i toss them out i start from scratch and uh shapeshifting at that point is very possible on many levels and i say shapeshifting also in that my first book tripping the field the original title for Tripping the Field was Tripping the Field an Inconvenient Guide to Shape-shifting because the way I see it is that all of this does res- was does come back to uh, the, the idea that you can shape-shift your life, your mind and perhaps even your body uh, mm. on you know to some degree and uh, of course in Tripping the Field it's we, I, I explore that to the furthest realms possible in the, in the shamanic sense of shape shifting. Like, you know, what did they really, what were they really after there? What, what was the lesson there in shape shifting? I feel that that's what it is that you have to first drop. You got to drop all of your, all of your narratives, all of your, all of the context that you're carrying around and uh, let it all, you know, let it go by the wayside. Be what you really are.
0: <clears throat> Absolutely. Very good. Um, when you look at your new book and um, where, you know, your research, you said, obviously, your first book is fiction. Your new book is nonfiction and it's research yes. that you're doing. Um, is that something that was more like, do you kind of wish that you maybe did that with the first one, too? Because there, you do have, you know, there is... Tangible things that you can give out that are true to people to you know like induce lucid dreaming and that kind of a thing. So um, is that something you're going to do forward or did you like the fiction or you know?
1: I love both. In fact, I I feel that the two the two books really blend very well together. I think they make uh, they're really great companions to each other because at the core they really are both about the same philosophy that I've been that I've been talking about, that we've been talking about during the show, it's, they both have the same philosophy, but with tripping the field, I do it through a fun sci-fi horror narrative that is just, you know, wacky. But, um, like I said, with migration, it's much more direct where I'm just more speaking to, to the audience. And my, my, my feeling is that I don't feel that I'll right now, at least I'll say that I don't feel that I, I may never write nonfiction Again, I've kind of said my piece on it. The rest of my my what I have to say on this, I think I'm going to be doing through podcasts like this and articles. I'm actually going to start doing my own. Uh, I'm going to start doing my own series of videos as well. I'm going to start, uh, uh, you know, doing videos where I actually take you know clips from Inception and The Matrix and I start really talking about how does that how do these movies really tie into this philosophy that were you know this larger very real philosophy what is the truth that we're so you know mesmerized by that's behind some of these sci-fi movies that are that are going on um so i i feel that i'm kind of done with the non-fiction Mm. right now i'm glad that i did it i think it was it's a project that actually i started migration before tripping the field i actually was writing notes on that for uh quite a while my guess is that now down the road uh if when I continue to write, I really like fiction. I like telling, I love, I'm a sci-fi fan at mm-hmm. heart. I mean, I'm a horror fan at heart and I love taking these ideas I'm talking about and and, and seeing how they fit into uh, a fun adventure narrative where, it, you know, there's a fun story, but you're also kind of learning a bit of philosophy along the way. You know, that's, I, I find, I I think that you can, you can get a lot of truth across yeah. through through fiction is is what i'm saying and, and i love the, i love the ability for that to happen and uh, my next project actually is to turn tripping the field into a screenplay that's uh, mm. that that was always the plan that has been the plan from the beginning to turn that into a uh, to put that on film eventually so and we talked that i i am in so i can't talk about it too much but i am in some preliminary talks right now with some producers to have just that done and i would you know fingers fingers crossed that would be that would be awesome to see that would be that would be great
0: yeah that's cool yeah that'd be awesome man we'll be sending you positive vibes good luck with that Um, please
1: please do thank you
0: shout out to home mycology thanks for the uh ten dollar bump up we love you and uh he also or they mentioned they have a question um they were asking about free will and if You know, do we have free will? Uh, Michael was saying basically like um, with your thoughts and, you know, you do bad things and you know you're doing bad things, but you still do them. You know, so what really is free will if you're choosing, even though you know something's wrong, like that whole kind of psychology behind it. Um, So, I mean, for me, I don't know how you look at this, but you can look at it in different ways. I think it's both possible for things to be well if you're looking at it from your subjective standpoint um you know there could be free will but from an objective standpoint there might not be if that makes sense um so to you it's free will but to the universe it's not in the sense that everything's predetermined in terms of uh previous events so like you could look at like uh um Simone Laplace, who's a French physicist philosopher and the billiard shot, which would be that he, you know, Laplace said that if you had a billiards table and you were given all the angles, all the physics, all the measurements, speed, everything, you could determine where all the balls would come off the break. So yep. you almost look at it like a, like get like God. So if God, if there was a God hypothetically sure. or some energy or primordial something, um, they might have the tools to measure all of these things that we're talking about these intangible exactly. little minute and macro things and everything but we don't have those tools so we can't see that so that's the way i kind exactly. of look at it
1: absolutely and i think that's that's an excellent that's essentially what I would say is basically what you just described. If you're going to ask me from the physical standpoint, I'm going to defer to physics. You know, and I'm gonna, uh, from what uh, physicist Brian Green has taught me, uh, there, there, it all really is on on that larger scale. As you're talking about, it is mapped out, uh, and it, and that's, that's okay. There's nothing. I would, you know, some people feel like somehow that they're boxed in by that and i think that's ridiculous too that somehow you feel limited by that and that's that's you don't you don't know what that lar- completely that larger you know the giant perspective is anyway so and you and you may you may never know what that larger perspective is so you know I, so to say that they're all from that perspective that you don't have free will i'm comfortable with that i don't have a problem with that mm-hmm. i would say that There's, there's a few other ways to look at it. You know, when we were talking about how much are you trapped within that narrative of the mind, you know, if you really are just kind of cycling through the same ideas, like we were talking about again and again, you are never dropping your context, you are never finding some practice to get out of that limited context to take that leash off. You are very limited with your choices. Your ability to really make a uh, an original choice is is very limited at that point because you only are working with, you know, you you only see your mind from that limited standpoint, and you're just going well. I only have, you know, when you get up in the morning. If you're bound to your story that you've been telling yourself, like Maurice was saying, if you're bound to all these definitions of yourself, you're just going to follow exactly that that same pattern. You know what what choice do you have? So I would say that if there is a freedom, you, you it, it is going to start with getting beyond that. You are going to have to go into those meditative or psychedelic states. You have to get into those states where you are that coming from the perspective of that pure consciousness. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to get away from all of those limitations of the thinking mind, which is absolutely possible. But I think if, if you're going to get into any sort of freedom, a real, a, a real radical, unique choice, you know, that you, where you feel like this is something that, that I'm doing. Uh, this, this is something that's just purely based on what I want. Uh, that's what it would take. But, uh, you know, what is will though, too, you know, we also have to question our desires, all of our, all of the things that we think we want are all based on also a whole bunch of limited storylines of what it is we think we want. I, I've, there's a lot of people in the, uh, the spiritual community, for example, they, uh, you know, they, they uh, often get wrapped up in this idea that spirituality is ultimately about uh, just getting what you want. You know, but they turn it into a weird spiritual thing. Like, if I just like have this idea, and I just focus on this, you know, this this particular goal, then I can make myself perhaps like rich or something like that. We're definitely seeing that in some of the, uh, you know, the with you know the the, the rich megachurch type of uh, right uh, philosophy. Well, I was going to say seeing, the secret that too, thing.
0: right? The secret. I mean, I think exactly that, the secret. but exactly that's just the that. power of suggestion and intention, right? Like you're putting. You're focused into something productive and you're getting something out of it. I don't.
1: And there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. awesome, isn't it? That's fantastic. But that's what I'm saying.
0: There's nothing like magical about no. it. You're just no. doing, you know, you're putting your intentions and thoughts into one thing. And mo- most times, if somebody's passionate about something or putting energy into something, it, they're going to succeed at, at some level.
1: My concern when it comes to a spiritual concept like that is that I, I would hope that those people are being honest with themselves that uh, about what, what it is that they really want. If you think that you want, you know, some people, they just think that they want to be rich. They just think that they want money. But they never stop to actually question what does that really mean. You have a narrative, again, below that, too. When you look at your desire for fame and glory or whatever, there is a narrative you have about what that's going to look like, right? Yeah, there's
0: sacrifices and to get there, for sure.
1: There are, and it also might not you know, elicit the results that you think, you know, I mean, so many people have this idea that they want to be rich. But I mean, if if the wealthy people were the most enlightened, healthy, happy people on the planet, uh, then. (laughs) <laughs> you know, right. we may be capitalism may be in better shape right now. I mean, we we I'm,
0: grew up around. I know that's
1: not the shape.
0: We grew up around wealthiest people, and I the nicest wealthiest people, the nice wealthy people are usually the people that have worked hard and yes. not had much early on and built their business and they, from hard work and, and um, they
1: respect it and they, they respect,
0: respect it and they understand it yeah. and they know where they came from and they know where they want to go. Those are the Absolutely. people that usually succeed. The people that are born with it. We know tons of kids that were born with tons of privilege and um, yep. did, trust funds. And did stuff. did nothing with it, you know. So
1: I've known rich people definitely, and they are sometimes. I would not trade places with them for anything. And they aren't happier. They,
0: Having all that money does not make not. you happier. I mean, yeah, it's nice and to pay your bills and all that. But once you yeah. get to a certain level, it's like, what are we doing here? You know.
1: Yeah, what do you want? And it really comes back to, and that's why I get frustrated sometimes when it is, when they turn it into a spiritual concept, you know, you I would hope that you would have loftier ideas than just to acquire wealth. I mean, that's not going to satisfy either. There is a, you know, we humans, it seems to be that our nature, part of our nature is there is this dissatisfaction with something like we always are striving for something. And, you know, that is a that is a sensation that we need to really sit with that, 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 that craving is what I, is what I often refer to it as this craving for something more and to just go, well, I'm just going to go and keep on chasing after, you know, what, what, you know, money or a bigger house or more property or, you know, whatever, you know, more, more things, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not going to, that's not going to satisfy you either until you really look at that, dissatisfaction and where that's really coming from and that's what that's what frustrates me the most is that they 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 for they skip that step like i don't really want to look at that real dissatisfaction that's really going on inside of me i just want to fill it with something and that's how well that's what we're all doing i mean that's what the average person does anyway you know you go and just you know you just try to chase after you know the next stimuli right whatever whatever that is and uh and we do that with media Too. I mean, I I found it took me a long time to realize how much I was just chasing after. I wasn't even chasing after media. I was chasing after uh, an endogenous drug. (laughs) I was chasing after adrenaline. You know, I was chasing after the next thing I could watch on a screen that would that would shock my system or 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 oxytocin that would kind of like, you know, all of these chemicals that we have swirling around in our body can all be kicked in by our media, too. And so, you know, we start. So how, how often are we staring at our phones, looking and searching and searching and searching? Well, yeah, we're trying to get that next to,
0: dopamine hit, for that, sure. That
1: next dopamine hit, we never stop to really realize that that's what we're after. Like, what are you really after? What is it that you're really craving? And those are the questions that... Uh,
0: have you seen that new uh, movie or documentary on Netflix about social media? What's it called? Is I it called this, watched that, yeah. Is it called The Social Dilemma, maybe? Yeah. I have.
1: I have not. Oh, watched. you got to see this because oh, I've heard about it, and it's it's funny about. It's the time dramatic. It's, Look, I think it, it's. It sounds like my book is. It's what it is. That's yeah. shocking. But so, well, how much did you watch of that?
0: I mean, I watched the whole thing. I mean, it's pretty interesting. Okay. I mean, it talks about okay. their, you know they take coders from Facebook and people that have worked at all these different companies and Google and. Yeah. Um, it just pretty much goes through how they're harvesting your data to then try and predict your next movements. So then by predicting their next movements, they'll know what product will work best here or there or this and that. And I'm sure everybody's had the thing where they've talked about something, not even with their phone on, like locked screen or whatever. And then they'll pull up Facebook and an ad for that exact thing will pop up. So um, we're being engineered to be consumers is pretty much what this movie is about.
1: And, and I, it sound and that that sounds fantastic because it sounds like that leads right into my book cuz my the whole point of migration is to go okay so if we are being programmed is there a way to to deprogram yourself and is there a way to have your media you know and not also just be strung along by it because you know I, I love my media. I love I love the internet. I love movies. I love stories. I love all of these things. I have Netflix. I've got Amazon. i got Hulu, all that stuff, and I'm not watching television all the time, but I'm able to enjoy those things now in a much more uh, free fashion than I used to, I guess is what I would say. I've learned who I really am in in relate in the relationship I have to all of those things that are going on in the screen and what was what was really going on how my brain is wired to kick in adrenaline at various specific times and why uh, and we forget that we forget this all the time when we are watching something on YouTube or we're watching some little crazy video or something that. So many of these reactions that we're having, you know, there's almost nothing we can do about it from the physical standpoint. We we are wired to respond to very simple to to a lot of these things mm-hmm. in the same way, in the same way that it, I and I say that it's in my book. Have you ever seen those videos where a cat, someone takes a cucumber and they put a cat or <laughs> yeah. they put a cucumber in yeah. yeah, yeah, cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cat? I tried but it yeah. with my
0: cat. It did not work.
1: Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> And we and now, of course, hopefully we we've, we've become a little smarter. We've realized exactly what's going on, and and you you guys know what's going on, right? It's
0: it thinks it's a snake, right? From some biological epigenetic, uh, epigenetic yeah. type of scenario, you know, how kind of probably exactly. why babies, I think, aren't babies scared of snakes too. I think it's a similar.
1: Sure, we're you know I've heard that even the idea that we've got we we're very much like. Cats, when we look at media, in fact, I, I was considering for a while, uh, calling my book, uh, uh, horror movies are, are basically like, uh, uh, you know, a cucumber for a cat, basically something like that. It was going to be some, some conglomeration of that, but you know, does the cat know? Does the cat consciously understand what just happened? No, right? It doesn't really get it. It's not really thinking about like why it jumped. It doesn't really understand. Its well, is the, did
0: they? Do you know if the people have tried other things too, like as an experiment, like not like like what about like a yellow squash? You know, like it does the green and then you know the length is that is that you know imitating the snake or is it you know just the right, fact that exactly? it's like something behind them and they didn't know and they're cats and they're usually very sneaky and know things like that.
1: I think it's definitely the shape. It's something about the elongated shape, and it's the so it's the combination of it being unexpected, definitely. But I I have not seen if people have been right. doing experiments. Yeah, I was that. just all curious. I, all I know is that definitely it is. It's a built-in response, and and again we but we're you know we laugh at that. Uh, it's kind of cruel, and when you think about it, because you know it's a, just a a small animal that kind of puts its faith in you to keep you know keep it safe and everything. It's kind of a mean thing to do, but but. My point is that we're wired in so many of the same ways and mm-hmm. the more that we understand that wiring, the more we understand our, our evolution and why we are, you know, why we respond to media uh, the way we do, the freer will be from it. It's not that we will be bored with it. It's not that we'll just, uh, you know, walk away from it or anything like that, but you're not going to be so, so much led around by it so much like, gosh, why did that happen? Why do I feel this way? Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll know who you are in the face of the media stream. And that is something that people aren't very good at. Uh, it seems like right now, especially with, uh, all, all the things that are going on in this world, people are very confused by what they're seeing in, uh, you know everything from the news to anything that's going on. I, I, yeah, I have I a know.
0: theory on that too. It's it's and yeah. I, I know it from just talking to people in my office and just people don't look into things. People do not look into things. They don't want to take even ten seconds to type something into Google or Snopes or whatever it is to see if anything's reliable, where it came from. Even when I do research for these episodes, when we're talking about ancient civilizations and You know, there's some people that argue if Socrates even existed, you know, like I'm I'm not one of those people, obviously, but there's a lot of people because, you know, when you get into the ancient texts and stuff, things become, you know, convoluted and dicey and everything we know about Socrates since he didn't write anything down is all from Plato and Xenophon, you know, so um, when you look at these things, um, we have modern technology and for the most part, things are somewhat kept on record, you know, so... Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? You know, I kind of look at the days where pre-internet where there's, you had to call somebody and if you made a plans with somebody to meet up at yeah. here or oh, there, yeah. you showed up, you didn't say, Oh, last second I couldn't do it. Or, you know, Oh, I'm sorry. I can't make it. Or, you know, some stupid excuse now where you can just text somebody, you know, 10 minutes before you meet them and say, Oh, something came up or whatever the case yeah. may be. You had more of a, like an obligation to other people. And I don't think that's the case now. I think even with the internet, Um, you know not to get into like politics or anything like that but just the fact that you're not interfacing face to face with people so therefore you have the cover of some sort of avatar or anonymity and you can just say and do whatever you want without any sort of consequences whereas if you did that in person there would be consequences
1: and and that is not the world we evolved in is it I mean we are are animals that have been evolving for hundreds of thousands of years to to be we're social animals you know we have learned to evolve on the playing field of dealing with people more face to face and now suddenly you know like you said we now suddenly we have this anonymity and we don't have to actually deal with uh you know people face to face as much and and i am concerned about sometimes i'm concerned about the you know, the younger generations, you know, when I grew up there, the Internet was not around. I had to learn to, you know, adapt to the Internet. And mm. I sometimes wonder about some people who are they're so used to just, uh, you know, talking crap, for example, to other people where, you know, that they don't they don't remember what it's like to actually have a consequence to your to your words. I try personally when I am online, there's a part of me. and It's probably an old fashioned thing that I'm thinking would I say this to this person if they were in front of me? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and that—how many people do that? How many people? A good practice. It, it is a good do. practice because I—it's like, I don't know how many people even do that anymore because they're just—they're betting on well, you'll never—I'm never, never going to run into you. I'm never going to have to be responsible. <laughs> I'm going to come hunt you down, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that to be the new. Well, that because that—that that ha- that would ha-
0: police. Yeah, I was going to say that happens. That used to be more of like a online gaming type of thing. I don't know if you've ever played video games against other people online, but yeah, there's a lot of shit talking on that. I think that that whole culture, I don't think it's from there necessarily, but it's that kind of a same kind of a concept.
2: Might be a new book
0: idea.
1: Right. (laughs) Uh, Well, I talk about all of those, those, those interactions in my book as well. And I go into, I try to go into the heart of, you know, how much has changed. uh, And, Are we, what's, I I also asked the question in migration of what is going to happen to all of our actual responses, the deeper, and by the way, it's called migration because we are migrating deeper and deeper into a more of an electronic realm. It's almost like we are trying, our species is trying to run as fast as it can into the matrix in whatever way we can. You know, right now, I know that they're, you know, we are not just spending more time in front of a screen, but now we're getting to the point where we can't leave we can't even leave our phones behind and mm-hmm. you know, and it's that there's always the next step where we're trying to integrate this more into ourselves and physically, you know, Neuralink, for example, they're trying to actually, you know, plug yeah, this stuff right. into, into our brain. You know, my, my point is that I'm not sure what the, what the actual uh, possibility is there, what the upper limits are, you know, whether or not uh, full integration, like the matrix is actually possible, but, it's it sh- we should pay attention that we're a species that wants to do this and why you know why why do we want to do this to begin with <laughs> like what is that what's our motivation here what is it that we're actually after uh you know in in reality what do we what do we really hope to gain from all of this i i i find that i find all of that interesting and as as we do this my original point was you know the more we res- we respond with adrenaline for example let's just take adrenaline you know adrenaline has a very real flesh and blood reason to be kicked in right mm-hmm. i mean there was a reason why adrenaline was kicked in it is a powerful powerful chemical that is uh that is that is kicked in that does that almost turns you into a a super high superhero in small doses where you know you you're you're all of your muscles get prepared for action and your heartbeat increases. Uh, yeah, your, your body eyes. physically
0: changes in that physically moment. Physically
1: changes in so many ways. And yet with media, it's all a fake response, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, all, of, all of our adrenaline responses when we are watching the thriller or we're playing that video game where we're, you know, running and chasing and killing and yada, 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 or... We're watching the action films or whatever it is. All of the things in our media that, that kicks out adrenaline. I, I almost, sometimes I wonder, at what point does the body start evolving for that too? And by that, I mean, at what point does the body go, you know, there isn't any longer a real need to kick in adrenaline. There's no real benefit. I mean, what benefit does adrenaline have online? Right. What 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 is it doing for us? What is it really... Doing for our species. It's, I mean, right now adrenaline is almost just for entertainment, and it's certainly not helping with any situation when we get into some argument. I mean, what does that adrenaline response do for you when you are pissed off at somebody in the comment section? What is that doing for you? Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and you know, that's taxing. We know something about the way bodies, our bodies evolve is that. It's always looking for ways to save energy. We are always looking for ways to conserve energy. You know, if we didn't need, you know, if we realized we don't need a tail, the body started getting rid of our tails. And I wonder if our things like our adrenaline responses are going to start going the way of the dodo along with it. I, I I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying that we would have to actually more. Much more be integrated into a a digital realm where we had absolutely no, you know, obviously our adrenaline response still has some, you know, use when we are out and about in the daily world. But so much of our uh, endogenous reactions are just being kicked in by media. And I just, I wonder. Is, will that eventually will we start evolving to where we just don't have that? or is that already happening? I wonder if that's already happening to to some people where that's
0: Oh well, I mean I have a theory. I mean obviously I have OCD. I know you have your own stuff that you deal with too. Uh, sure. But the fact that we don't have any real imminent threats, you know your flight your fight or flights always activated when you have anxiety. Um, yes. So mm-hmm. the fact that we have no outlet for that, at this point like you're mentioning being online or things that are mundane or not you know life threatening in any way i think that it has an effect and too much of that causes stress causes anxiety um and there's no outlet for that so it's just this like vicious cycle that keeps happening it is
1: it's it's like it turns your body into just like you know a brewing pot of just you know chemicals you know where it's Mm -hmm. like and there is no release yeah in the wild you you were you were preparing to literally fight something or you're gonna run away you know there was a real right you know there was a real comp you know there was an end result there you know there was a there was a burst of energy for for action for a you know for a real purpose and and now you know, you're just sitting there and stewing in it. And that is, you know, you get burned out from that too. Again, it's taxing to the body. How many times have, uh, again, you were talking about video games. How many times have you gotten away from a video game where you're like, you know, my body is, you know, none of my muscles are actually <laughs> fatigued, but I am burned out. Right. And it's a weird sensation because you feel like you're lacking, something but you can't quite put your finger on it and some people, you know, they'll run to, you know, sugary stuff or salty stuff or something like that. But, you know, you've been you've been kicking out these really powerful chemicals for really no reason, just for entertainment. And our bodies weren't really designed really completely designed for that. Now on some level they were designed for that in terms of playtime. I mean small animals, small children, they are you know they are they are rewarded with adrenaline when they when they play fight and they wrestle, you know, but all of that was for a very specific purpose though, too. When, you know, when, you know, animals, they when they play hide and seek or when we wrestle with, you know, with, with our siblings or something like that, you know, that was preparing for, you know, adulthood and, you know, actually possibly having to deal with real aggressive situations later. Um, so there, you know, there was some, you know, real reason for it, you mm-hmm. know, in, in our evolution is what I'm saying, but uh, not to the point, you know, our, our bodies weren't really necessarily made for the kind of uh, the kind of taxation that we are putting on them now, I, and I wonder how long they'll put up with this until they just starts going, "Oh yeah, you don't need an adrenaline response for what you're seeing on a screen. You don't need, uh, you know, dopamine to to be kicked in for for all of this stuff. There's no, there's no benefit. It's not saving your life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to turn into." You mentioned uh, uh, the
0: yeah, the neural link. Uh, but yeah, yeah. on that Joe, the first Joe Rogan that Elon Musk was on, he mentioned he's like, "We already are androids. You have your phone Absolutely. or your computer connected yeah, to okay. you at all times. You're interfacing with this thing constantly. You are, you know, symbiotic with this technology. So in a way, we're right, already we're there.
1: Symbiotic, yes, symbiotic. The, exactly. Yeah,
0: the next step would just be like you know putting the thing in our brain and calling it a day.
1: Yeah, full integration. <laughs> Full integration, absolutely. And, we're and <laughs> well, and that's what again. That's what my. That's why I wrote migration because I I am I'm concerned. I I'm not fearful. Let me put. Let me explain this. I. It sounds like I'm, you know, I'm not being a dooms doomsayer about you know. Oh, the future is dark and we're going to be integrated into computers. I find all of that fascinating and exciting now because if you really know who you are you know the truth you're not quite so bound up in this you know it's just another adventure when you know that at the heart of it you really are just this unbound free consciousness that's watching this play play out you know it's you don't take it quite so seriously but we have to get there we have to really appreciate what's really going on what is our real relationship with the mind and the media that we're observing and If we don't really take a hard look at that and we are going to start driving ourselves further and further into insanity and depression, Uh, you know, and again, I'm not trying to poo poo on uh, on technology, but there's so much there's so many studies that have shown that as soon as the first uh, uh, reasonably priced iPhone became available. Depression rates mm-hmm. just started skyrocketing. Like immediately, it was like it's like you can look at both of those the, both of those systems. You know, where this one iPhone came out, and I don't remember what year that was, but the depression rates, especially amongst uh, teens, who yeah, that's the, what they, they talk about in the it. Who
2: I'm good. Teenagers and stuff, suicide rates are skyrocketing. female teenagers
0: uh, are susceptible or most susceptible uh, to all that stuff.
1: I can't even imagine. I'm so, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I'm so glad that I was uh, not born uh, an attractive female, I got to tell you. I mean, that sounds terrible, but...
0: You could be an Instagram model right now. Yeah, you get get your DMs, baby.
1: I can't. (laughs) You know, Joe Rogan has talked about this too. (laughs) Like, what does this do to you when you are you know a teenager and you have thousands upon thousands of followers followers who are absolutely by the way going to give you 10 times the thumbs up if you you know show a little bit more skin or you know you've got some revealing dress on or something like that you know a, a young girl realizes this this relationship very very quickly and my god I'm just i don't have kids i'm glad i don't have kids uh i'm glad that i personally don't have to deal with it but it uh that it's it's hard not to i feel sorry for yeah between that and the
2: pornography it's 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 a scary it's a scary advancement because when we were kids we'd find a little magazine it would blow our minds now there's (laughs) stuff out there that makes me blush and i do comedy
1: Yeah, you kids don't know. You kids have no idea what it took to get porn. (laughs) What it took to get porn when we were younger, you know, uphill, uphill both ways in the snow. I tell you to get our pornography.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at the whole thing, though, it's like, do you think that this is just part of the evolution, though? Because, like, look at the way I think about it is look at going from like the Stone Age and then evolving, and then getting into like the point where civilization is just starting, and then you know, at the at, at the beginning of civilization or when um, Homo sapiens sapiens first domesticated themselves via however that happened. Um, that had to have been awkward. That had to have been weird, right, for humans sure. to evolve in that time. So I think we're maybe in some sort of an awkward point now where it's similar in that regard.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is absolutely the next evolution. I mean, I think that our next evolution is not is likely going to be self-imposed. It's definitely going to be more going towards this integration with technology. I mean, is there really any question? If any you know, anybody who's looking at the the current technology, this is definitely where evolution is heading. And my point is always that, you know, there's a way to do this without losing your soul. There there is. There's is a way to, to go forward in this world gleefully, happily, full of 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 excitement and vigor. I mean, I'm not sure if I would go run out and get, you know, the neuralink put into my head right right now, but but I'll tell you what the idea of uh, you know, uh, of virtual reality and where that's going, that that concept, it's crazy. That's exciting. But I also am coming from a a very rare I'm aware that I'm coming from a very rare perspective. I learned what I actually was at a very young age. I started experimenting with again. It comes back to the lucid dreaming, the meditation, or the psychedelics. These I started learning what was actually perceiving, what was actually what the relationship was really about between my mind and what I was consuming. You know, and I'm I I am afraid for I, I am afraid for our our species. Those of our species, I would say, who who fully integrate whatever that looks like into this digital universe and still they don't really know what they are they don't really know who they are that's that that is going to look much more like a uh i don't know a matrix situation where there are slaves so to speak you know the the mental slaves that are just kind of running through a kind of running through a system and uh the ai is is just in command but uh you know there's a way to get around it is what i'm saying there's a way to have your soul and have your technology too is is the way I look at it. You know, we've looked at we've looked at every advance, every advancement in media. We have we have been afraid of when 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 the written word came around, when writing was invented, there was there was so much upheaval. There were so many people who thought that well, if we wrote everything down, our minds are going to get weak because we're not going to have to remember everything. People used to have to remember everything you know they had to remember Mm. all of their their ancestors stories and everything that they were taught the 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 history of their of their culture they had to remember everything and then once things started getting written down people they feared it they're like this is this is the downfall of you know of human civilization you know i mean and now of course we look back at the idea of we thought reading and writing would be you know some terrible horrible thing and then you know of course and then books. I mean, when books came around, oh, you're gonna have books in your home. What will happen to your mind if you're just lost in fantasy all day long? You know, they're all again. All the fears came up. What will happen to? Uh, they were especially concerned about our our young women. You know, because they were so fragile, right? Oh, the young women who who can't all. You know, they already aren't very good with telling fact from fantasy, and you know, and all this nonsense. They were afraid of what would happen to our youth and and young people. It's just ridiculous. And then. And then it moved on, of course, with television. You know, oh, the television was once and for all that was going to destroy humanity, right? And, and of course, the the current, you know, arguments about video games and the internet are still raging on. But none of this is new. All of these fears are not new. So I'm not about being afraid of any of these advances. I'm not afraid of uh, of any of this. But there is a way that you have to go forward. There is a way to go forward sanely in a healthy way and that that's what i'm that's what i propose that is that's 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 my suggestion
0: yeah i mean that's a good suggestion i think that um there's probably going to be a lot of growing pains is what we're feeling now in terms it's of already
1: yeah we're already there, um,
0: right? it's a whole new ball game in terms of technology i mean the interesting thing though is how fast we got here over the last hundred hundred and fifty years with technology so sure um sure. is that going to continue to expand exponentially and if that's the case then i mean we might right now be brains plugged into some sort of uh simulation mm-hmm. that we're just not aware of i mean cuz i mean you have yeah. to think about that if if you know the whole simulation theory thing it's not at this point it's it's a probability not some crazy theory
1: and I love that. I love simulation theory, and it does, you know, it does bring up all of those questions of, you know, if this is possible. And all of a sudden, we are on this cusp in a very short time, like you said. If we're suddenly in this position where, man, we're almost there. We have we can do computer graphics already that are photorealistic. The only thing we have not quite achieved is the uh, like the human face. We haven't gotten past that uncanny valley of being able to replicate the human face perfectly, which they, but they keep trying to do it in movies, and it's just, it just often comes off terribly, in my opinion. But <laughs> mm. I, digre- I digress. But, uh, yeah, I don't I, – uh, yeah, it's uh, – Well, I, it I, happened, I know
0: right? – m- yeah, my wife put on a show. I was watching it with her. I forget what it's called. I think it's on Netflix about what hap- – like, these people, when you die – um, you get to choose like yeah. your virtual reality that you live in for the rest of your life. You know, it's like a hotel, it's like a resort, but it's like s- virtual, but that's what you do when you die. You pick one of these places. And uh, I thought it's kind of an interesting concept and I don't, I, you know, being what we're talking yeah, about right now,
2: short, but the idea is yeah, no, it's bad. not,
0: it's not like a great, but the concept's interesting. But, yeah. um, but my point was, we might be headed in that direction where that might be an option at some point where sure. maybe they can keep your brain alive and then you just plug some electrodes in and boom, you're living in some fantasy world, you know, till whoever's managing the brain dies or, you know, whatever. I don't know.
1: Sure. I, I, I don't know. Uh, perhaps, perhaps that <laughs> might, and, and again, it's I, mean, it's I know it's, so it's fast. completely
0: speculative and crazy, but I'm just saying like, it's not that crazy based on what we know already and where things are trending. So,
1: no, but it does make you question, though. Like when you say with the simulation theory, is it possible that this has already happened and that is the situation? You know, that's one of the things that what I find that one of the Neil deGrasse Tyson. That is one of the the more far out theories that he admits really freaks him out because he's like, man, there's really a good argument that this has already happened and that is what we are dealing with. You know, I, you know, it's like that. Uh, uh, that Rick and Morty episode where he goes and plays that video game and he lives that entire life. Do you know what I'm talking about? As the the guy who's the, the rug salesman, you know, Uh (laughs) it's like, it's like that we laugh at that now, but you know, how ridiculous is that? And now that we know that this technology is, is possibly completely feasible, is it so ridiculous? Uh, you know, um, again, I, I, those concerns personally, they don't personally concern me too much because, uh, you know uh, if you know that your consciousness and you know that you're not ultimately bound to any of these systems you know no matter what a computer technology threw in front of me whether it was something matrix like or or if my reality right now is in fact a matrix I, you know ultimately i i'm still free because there's i think that consciousness is boundless it's that's mm-hmm. that's always what i keep coming back to so eh, you know if, if you know that yeah there's no fear there's really no concern there's no concern about any of these things and you can go and you know go enjoy your internet go enjoy your video games and you're just not bound to it and we you know we're finding this we're finding that you know like a, a horror movie fans for example they find that when they really do research with people who love and i'm just saying you know for example with horror movie fans they always wondered why why is it what is it about the horror fan like what's wrong is there something wrong with them are they just not are they sadistic are they uh do they just not have really any empathy or something like that and what they found is that actually what's interesting about most the average horror movie fan is that they're actually much more aware when they're watching a horror film they're more they remain more aware that it's not real that none of it is really ultimately real and they're they love how their body responds to it they love how you know when when a horror movie is done well they indulge in the in the entertainment of mm-hmm. it all as opposed to you know and so they are but when it comes to actual tragedy actual physical abuse in real life they are as if not more empathetic than the average person so you know and i think that's a good lesson to remember that uh you know you just remember the the horror fans because they're the people who are really much more aware that none of it's real none of it's really actually happening but they're just super impressed when something manages to really you know shock them you're like wow that that looked really realistic or that really you know that was a visceral feeling that really grossed me out you know they they love that feeling and i think that that is uh there's something to be learned about that with all of our media. You know, the more Mm -hmm. that you are really aware, the more that you're aware that none of it's true. Like my, my mother, for example, she hates violence on film. Uh, she hates, uh, she cannot stand, uh, any kind of gore or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I also find that she's also a person who, she also doesn't really understand film entirely. She doesn't understand special effects. She doesn't you know, she, when she watches something happen violent on a screen, it, it's very real for her. It's a very like she feels like she's actually watched a murder on some level. Where I am completely, I remain completely aware that none of this is actually happening. None of this, none of this is real, so to speak. So, I don't know. It's a, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, I mean, it's it makes a, sense. a way to look at it.
0: I mean, I don't like most horror. I like the horror movies that are based on a true story or could be real. Sure. I don't know why, because I think the other ones are just so dumb to me. I mean, I, my wife loves horror movies. And I like kind of what you're saying, and she's like one of the most empathetic people yeah. I know. You know, but yeah. it, in in some regards, she does like escaping, kind of like what you're saying, and and you know the thrills of it. But for me, it's like show me. The thing that could be real that you know like when we watch that show mind hunter have you ever seen that on netflix about the guy that created the yes yeah yeah yeah. okay so so um that's kind of creepy to me because those are real people that have something wrong in their brain chemistry um or whatever's going on and they are real killers and they know that there's something wrong with them but they can't help themselves in a way um so I mean, there's some interesting things there that that's what creeps me out is that kind of stuff.
1: Definitely, absolutely, yeah. When you start getting into the real psychology uh, beneath some of these people who actually commit the real horror out there, uh, that's uh, yeah, that definitely gets disturbing. Uh, indeed, indeed, yeah, that's a whole other area. <laughs> absolutely. Yep.
0: Yep. Um, Martin mentions. Uh, we should. Throw some Gurdjieff in here. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Gurdjieff's work, Uh, but um, yeah, I think the interesting thing about that, the the whole Gurdjieff stuff, is uh, have you ever seen. um, There's different ways to interpret his work, but have you ever seen the documentary Wild, Wild Country on Netflix about the. um, About Osho? Osho and his followers and everything and the whole.
1: Oh, absolutely. I've read everything that he wrote uh i he was one of the first philosophers that i picked up long before i even knew that that was him that that was the guy who started that that compound in oregon i had no idea because everything that i read from that guy was i've not i still would say that i've not read anything from him that i didn't that i didn't agree with that guy was absolutely brilliant i mean the guy was you know philosophically at right. least, but clearly there was a huge disconnect between you know, right. know what was, what was well, okay going so on. so what i was cool,
0: going to yes. say is is in them they mentioned like one of his followers who's somewhat intelligent i think it's his uh, lawyer mentions like it was one large gurjifian experiment the whole thing you know the way he. Um, uh, You know, let Sheila take the reins and the way she, you know, he knew she was going to do that. The whole thing was just this weird Gurdjieffian experiment um, of letting things kind of play out and run their course. Um, When I look at stuff like that, though, it's like um, when you study things like that, you mentioned you like all of his work. And I I know tons of people online I see, oh, I love Osho, I love Osho, I love Osho. But when you watch the documentary, it paints a completely different picture, too, because oh, I have seen some of his quotes and his speaking and some of his written, you know, uh, segments of his books and stuff. And it is insightful or an introspective is. and in good things. But then when you look at the documentary, I mean, the guy, whatever part of that life, maybe that's a different later part of his life. But he he tried to achieve enlightenment through like satiation yeah. or something along those lines, because you don't have to you know, jets and a hundred Rolls Royces and, you know, sleeping with whoever and taking drugs yeah. and doing all sorts of crazy, Enough's enough, you know, but, <laughs> but, but, but I guess the thing was like, where does that, where, what's going on there where somebody has the knowledge and they still choose to fall into that trap of human nature or more of our animalistic, you know, it's almost like taking a step yes. back in a way.
1: So I, I, that, that topic fascinates me because in fact, the villain in my first book, Tripping the Field, that is what I tried to create. I tried to I, I tried to decide, I tried to you know imagine what is the most dangerous person, really, the most dangerous person that I could think of. And the villain that I created for tripping the field is a person who is basically who who is enlightened on on some level, who who understands, all of these enlightening things that we've been talking about and all of the, you know, those cosmic truths, right. But he's also has short, he, he's kind of found a way to, to uh, he's found a shortcut to get into that knowledge. He hasn't actually attained all of this knowledge. All right. For himself, he's found a, a shortcut where he can tap into the end results of this knowledge, and uh, and I'm not going to go into the details of how he does it. He does it in a very strange way, but I would say that you're dealing with a very dangerous person. Like, uh, and I think Charles Vanson probably, or was possibly very similar, or uh, 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 who's the guy, uh, Waco, Texas. Oh, uh, uh, my understanding is Koresh. Koresh, David Koresh. My understanding is he was also extremely. You know, a very, very insightful, uh, you know, fairly down-to-earth person. But when it came down to who they actually were, what they really wanted they never really faced that they somehow skipped over that part of what their what their true motivations were what they really wanted and if you can somehow if you were ever able to skip over you know the hard work you know that actually transformed you into that enlightened person and you just sort of took somehow grabbed the end results you know it's like someone who just gave you the answers to the test right but you never actually found out the answers for yourself so to speak I I think that those are some of the most dangerous people because they have, you know, they sound like gurus. They sound like a uh, Christ type of figures, don't they? Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 would present themselves as saviors, and they have a lot of genuine, insightful, uh, insightful information. But then, you know, but then it's mixed with their their own biases. It's mixed with their fears, right? Yeah. So in that, that to me is. Got to be the most dangerous thing because it sounds like you're dealing with someone who really is tapped into the truth, you know. Uh, and you saw a little bit of that in Mindhunter I mean, some of those, some of those characters, you're like, and I forget who is the big, the big tall guy, the, the famous
0: killer oh, who uh, like, is is it Eds? Uh, uh, Ed,
1: Eds, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm drawing a blank. Know I know what, who you're talking about. Though. You know who I'm talking He's about. He's the big though. guy
0: we that like
1: big guy, right? You know, but you know, if you almost kind of like him, you almost kind of like, you know, some of these characters, you're like, you're like, you know, you could sort of like identify with him a little bit. Like you kind of like the guy a little bit, like he's not a complete monster. And that's, uh, that's what I think is, is perhaps the most frightening. Someone who is, you know, who is willing to carry out uh, abominable things because they think it's the right thing to do. And when you speak to them, it sounds like the truth. Those mm. people have the capacity to, to talk, to talk people into doing terrible things Mm -hmm. you know just terrible things so that's what that's that scares me yeah
0: another shout out to my wife she put this other thing on about that nexium uh cult or whatever yeah Uh, the
1: documentary on that too is coming out as i it's on hbo
0: or something i don't know we were watching it it's like a multi-part thing and that guy that guy had his own like science that he was claiming he had all these breakthroughs and like physics and all these crazy things and he was Kind of can, he considered himself a polymath and all these people followed him and thought he was so smart and then he ended up like banging all the chicks which is usually how it happens with these cults um and like branded oh, yeah. them and all sorts of crazy uh things but um
1: I, think I had somebody accuse me of that you know <laughs> just I'm, of what just starting, starting, starting a cult trying to, of trying to start a cult with all of this I, I, someone basically said that they think that this is that that's where I was coming from that I was tra- and they were Uh, she was very upset with me. She claimed that my book drove her insane and that I was trying to brainwash her. (laughs) That was good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it sounds like there's something
0: going on there beforehand, but...
1: uh, Oh, sure, sure, but uh, so, yeah, I... What, lucid
0: dreaming (laughs) drives somebody crazy? I don't buy it.
1: Well, it was about the... It was in uh, Tripping the Field where she felt that I was uh, trying to literally... You know, she heard the part where I was saying you have to drop all of your identity, drop all of these narratives. You know, that philosophy we're talking about, you have to get below that. And she had this idea that I was saying, you know, just drop everything that you believe in and listen to what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way she interpreted it. And that's, I'm like, no, I'm not. That's not, that wasn't the point. You you missed the point. I was, you know, not trying to make you a. Look, uh,
0: you got to be uh, careful. Uh, I mean, we we do this podcast. I think you, we have a certain responsibility, you know, like um obviously we don't talk about politics and that's for a reason i don't i want yeah. people to learn and get away from all that because i feel like that's just it's bled into it, it's blood yeah. into every single aspect of life and i think that people can't get away from it and it's driving everybody mad and i think that we need to create more places where people can have these kinds of fun conversations about the things that really matter like who are we where do we come from where are we going those kinds Absolutely. of things um Absolutely. so i think that um we have a certain responsibility whether you're a podcaster, an author or whatever um, to put some research into it, to put some passion, to put some effort into the way you look into things and how you present them. And um, you know, even when we talk about psychedelics, we always say, be careful, you know, if you have any Absolutely. sort of susceptibility to schizophrenia or you're, you have it in your family or whatever the case may be, talk to a doctor, things like that, because uh, um, I'll never recommend that anybody, um, you know, do that yeah. kind of stuff without any sort of, you know, pre, uh, pre scenario there. Um, They're but- so
1: radical. And I say this, I say this all the time on just about every show that I can or in my articles. I'm like, I always say that don't believe a word I'm telling you. I have no interest in followers. I have no interest in gaining, You know, people who blindly just believe me, I've had a couple of people say, you know, I, I totally believe you, by the way, I totally believe all the stories you tell. And I, and I, that always strikes me as weird. I'm like, why? I don't want, I have no use for people who just believe these stories I'm talking about with that, that you can achieve astral projection, that you can achieve all of these Things. What good is it if you just believe me what I want? I want people to experience this for themselves. So that's always what I'm trying to go for. I'm always trying to get underneath the surface to the real core of what's really going on behind these, the phenomena. I always try to get to that, you know, I'm like, Hey, then, then I throw it back into their lap and go, what, what do you think is going on? you know, I want you to experience this and come back to me, tell me what you experienced. Don't, don't ever believe us. Right. You know, don't, don't. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's the best way to do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, again, I mean, I always say this to, you, you know, we're not experts. I just research this, but, um, right. I think that anybody can be a good researcher, right? I mean, you don't have to have some crazy, you know, degree to just take time to look into something and know what you're talking about and, yes. uh, especially things that interest you. Uh, or you're passionate about so I think that that's the first step too um, yes. and I want people people to listen to the show you know like um, don't just listen to what we're saying don't take what we're saying as fact you know yeah you know I again I, I do research so some of the, most of the things that we say there is some sort of basis there but take yeah. it and run with it do your own research you know like make more connections Absolutely. or whatever the case may be so um, but yeah that was just the whole point behind that um But, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, man, I think that we live in weird times and I think it's interesting, uh, research that, you know, what you're doing and what a lot of these people are doing. And I think that it needs to continue just to keep tabs on where we're at and where we're going and what the future might look like and how we can navigate through those weird times and waters. So
1: it's, to me, it's clearly the, the one thing that I, I've, I have I'm driven to share with people and I've, I've had so many hundreds and hundreds of these insane experiences in my life. Heck I've even, I've now, I've seen a couple of UFOs now and I have no idea what the heck, I don't know what the heck that's about. Uh, But uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely driven to share these ideas with people. And all I can say is that, like I said, I, I, yeah, I certainly don't want anyone to just, trust what i'm saying i've there there's no don't ever do that don't you know always question what's going on do your own research find out for yourself unfortunately the kind of stuff i'm talking about when it comes down to uh like out-of-body experiences and uh you know astral projection or, or lucid dreaming you know the, they're very uh subjective things they're very you know you have to experience your, yourself you've got to go find out you know, what, what actually, you know, what, what the truth is for Mm -hmm. yourself. That's the only way it will ever be real. There's no, there's no amount of research. There's no amount of books that you're ever going to read where you're like, ah, I got it now. I've got that, you know, nailed down. I totally understand what's going on with that. And I have a very concrete opinion on that, on that area. We're talking about your consciousness. You cannot, you can't, there's, there's no shortcut to, understanding what you really are uh mm-hmm. there's no shortcuts to you're you're you know and my gosh you, you you've got to have a fascination with you know what you are underneath the surface i mean i think that everybody does on some level i would hope that that uh, that everyone has that curiosity of you know when we're the reason i like podcasts like yours is that you know it taps into everyone's curiosity for those things that we don't really understand those those dark areas that we don't quite have a grasp on you know the the paranormal the the things that we don't you know we don't have all the answers to mm-hmm. we we uh, we are drawn to that we are always going to be naturally drawn to those things that we don't completely understand right so but i always think that ultimately the ultimate question is who are we i think that's always what all these questions come back to whether it's about ghosts or ufo's or aliens or about you know, alternative histories, we're really always asking, well, what, what am I really? What, what mm. are we, what, what really are we, uh, below, you know, beneath the surface?
0: Well, I think you bring up a important point too, which is, um, this idea that, you know, we're always going to ask those questions and I've come to realize that I think that those questions is what's pushed humanity to this level, you know, that curiosity into the mysteries, um, you know, whether it's the ancient mysteries or the mystery schools, you know, there's a lot of knowledge gained from that. But then even modern day, you know, how does how can we get a rocket to here? And then you figure out all sorts of other crazy stuff in the meantime. So it's it's that, how do we figure this out? I wanna know how this works those types of things that have pushed us. And you could say that that might even be the driver for evolution is that constant looking for that next route to some other alternative, you know, uh, reality. So, um, but, uh, and, and Maurice ducked out, I guess his internet cut out, but it's already like oh. one, 1 30 there. So he's yeah. done for the night, I guess. That's but, all right. That's um,
1: okay. We should wrap it up pretty soon anyway. But yeah. Right.
0: And Oh, uh, somebody mentioned the the killer from Mindhunter, They said, Ed Gein, it wasn't Ed Gein. It was, I think it was Ed Kemper or Ed, and Kemper, Kemper, yeah, that's Kemper,
1: and that actor, that actor. I'm not sure what that actor's name is, but he was—he's fantastic. I really like that guy. He did a yeah. great job with Kemper. For uh, sure. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Um,
0: but yeah, and we can have you back on too, because I know you did bring up the UFO thing. Obviously, it's something we talk about on the show a decent amount and know a decent amount about. So yeah, we sure. have you back on, and we we'll just talk UFOs if you want to in the future. Sure,
1: sure. I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but uh, I've only had a few experiences. But I. Uh, I, See, I've I never,
0: a, I've never had, I mean, I, you know, I'm fascinated yeah. by the subject and I, I personally think it's related to consciousness in some regard. Um, I don't know right. how, it's got a,
1: I think too, I think that there is a connection there. I don't know. I don't really understand exactly what that connection is, but I feel the same way. There's some conscious connection. There's some reason that I've seen them a couple of times. And my father saw one about, five six years ago as well he yeah. had an insane experience uh I, there's some connection there i don't know what that is uh i'm not sure but yeah we can talk about that yeah definitely talk about that another time i think so, um, um
0: you should check this out too. we did an episode it's a it's a pretty good book it's called uh, identified flying objects by dr michael masters he's like a um yeah i think he's a um biologic or he's an anthropological biologist or something like that. I forget, but I did start
1: to watch that episode. He's a a professor. He
0: he, he has, I mean, I think we've all thought about this, the idea that the greys could be us in the future through space travel and loss of bone density and stuff like that. So his idea was that the UFO is the the time travel machine and that the alien is is us from the future or something along those lines. And if you think about it from like an archetypal standpoint, it kind of makes sense. If you look at like young, and what we know about uh, you know wormholes and physics and stuff like that I, I guess it, it you know sure. they say you can't go back in time you can only go f- forward in time so I mean based on what we know but who knows I think who that knows, right? new discoveries every day but I think that it's a, it's a fascinating idea for sure
1: yeah we don't know everything and that's what to me that's what inspires me about science and what you know it's interesting because the, I, I speak and I work in a realm that would that for the most part, the spiritual community kind of seems that they feel that they own, you know, astral projection and lucid dreaming on some level. And mm. uh, and I, I I wholly disagree. I would say that, uh, you know, I think that often people who who do don't like, you know, they think that they don't like science. It's often people who don't really understand, you know, how much more there is to learn that we don't have all of the answers locked down. And that, that's awesome. That's inspiring. That's exciting. You know, it's, it's, it's all all about chasing, chasing after, you know, those, the, the, you know, those, those gaps in knowledge. It's so, that, that makes all of it worthwhile and uh morris just and, and returned
0: the, back from the future folks oh hey. see
1: time travel is possible dude there's More some discurps. crazy sh-
2: stuff that's going down in the future man, oh, man. <laughs> 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 what happened?
1: T- tell us tell us what happened <gasps>
2: uh well apparently internet doesn't exist there
1: oh it's all in your head now, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah i plugged cool. in baby fantastic um, but uh, anyway
0: yeah, yeah, no. We were just talking about like UFOs and time travel and all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, yeah just, I, know, typical stuff. I, I think um, the whole thing's weird, man. I, I I go back and forth on the whole UFO alien thing. I think the UFOs is one thing. I think when you start talking about people in the UFOs, it becomes another thing. Um, I don't know. But I definitely think that there is this true fringe or weirdness that occurs beyond what we know about science. And you could just call it, you know, like you mentioned earlier, like physics that we don't know about or, um, just advancements that we haven't made yet or things like that. So, um, that's a distinct possibility, you know, just as it is, some UFOs are probably advanced technology. Not all of them maybe, but you know, um, and all
1: I know for myself, the one, the the first experience, what I saw, uh, broke, Newtonian physics. It's all I can say. I don't know what it was. I have no. All I saw. What did it do? do a like light.
0: a ninety degree.
1: It, oh, it did crazy things. It started did, it, back and it forth and started stuff. back and forth. You know, so, you know those videos they have from you know from the navy now. You know where these things are are shooting in one direction at thousands of miles an hour, and then they can stop on a dime and then go the opposite direction. Yeah. This thing could spin. It could like it, as if it was like as if it was on a string. And was, was spinning it? it. I have no, well, well, it was just a light. All I, this was at night. So it was it like was an orb.
0: Uh, you didn't see if it was like a tic-tac or like a triangular shape. I saw or, no shape. Okay. I saw
1: no shape. This was, uh, I was driving at the time I was heading, uh, I was heading East on the highway leaving Boulder. It was around nine o'clock at night. And this thing, eventually what it does, it flew over my car. And when I went, so I kind of was able to like look up, you know, through the, through the windshield and go, what, what am I actually looking at? All I saw was three, very uh, ordinary lights. They were plain lights. They were uh, they were rectangular. They were mm. they were three like a, in a triangular shape, and they were each each one was uh, like a rectangle, like reddish bluish colors. The lights were nothing, you know, terribly strange. But the maneuvers and the speeds this this thing was able to jump from one side of the highway to the next, and it it was able to just stop dead you know, it was able to stop dead and then turn and go the other direction, you know, things, you know, as if momentum and mass mm-hmm. meant nothing to this thing, you know? And, uh, so all I can say is, you know, I mean, when it comes down to Newtonian physics, you know, force equals, you know, mass times acceleration, it, it didn't care about any of those things. What does that mean though? Does that, there was nothing, you know, uh, I didn't have any intuition in my head where I was going, Oh, I think I just saw something from planet, X. Right I've, I, there, all I know is that like what I saw didn't didn't follow any of our laws of, of physics. that was right. it the, the only other intuition I would say that I did have when I saw this thing was that it, it seemed like what it did was for me. Mm. And that's a weird thing to say I know it it seems like it's like it was doing this to show off for me personally i have no idea what that means beyond that but what's odd is that
0: i've heard you know, pilots say that and that we've had uh yeah, um, like it
1: was for like they did it like it was a trick that it was performing yeah. for me yeah. yeah and my dad said the same thing when my dad saw something i know he saw something entirely different a few years later he's he's like he was left with the exact same impression he goes whatever this was it's like it was doing this trick for my benefit for some reason
0: hmm yeah i mean that's that's interesting i you know i've never (laughs) had one of those you know classical or classic uh ufo experiences i'm always down to have one i've had weird mind you know like meditation and psychedelic experiences with things like that or lucid dreaming and i've experienced things in those states but yeah i mean i'm i'm down if if the ufos are listening i'm I'm down Uh you know let's do this let's boogie that um,
1: could be the start. That could be the start. Yeah, That's the
0: start. Know, okay. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, man. Well, I think let's wrap it up here. Like I said, we'll yeah, have you. On. We can always talk about whatever you want in the future when next time you come back on. But um, let's everybody, check out Ian's book. The link is down below. Yeah. It's called Migration. Oh, it should be available now. We're at. Uh, it's well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's,
1: depending sh- on where you're at. Yeah, the. Uh, the Kindle, at least right now, the ebook, that should be you should be able to grab that now. That's uh that should be have been released. Some people already purchased it. It was gonna be released today. The paperback, like I said, I've got to I gotta figure out something uh why it's giving me a hold up. But the paperback it, it's there. I just have to release it so uh so anyone who wants an uh, actual hard copy just be patient it might take a day or two but i will figure out what uh what's going on but amazon wants something else from me i don't, <laughs> I don't know what else we'll, we'll figure it out
0: uh also check out his website ianjdid.com and uh you can check out his first book as well tripping the field if you're into lucid dreaming and that kind of stuff Um, Head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash mindescapepodcast. For $2 a month, you will get exclusive content, episodes, and segments. And then we have some more tiers uh, beyond that if you want to check those out as well. Um, Also, after you're done heading there, you can head on over to... Indra's Web, which is the app that we created, that is not live yet. But if you go there and sign up, you'll get an alert when it does go live. Uh, it's it's for open minds. So if you love ancient civilizations, psychedelics, UFOs, uh, paranormal stuff, and just anything fringe, um, you know, head on over there. And the, you know, when it goes live, it'll be a nice platform to talk about all that stuff without any worries about you know who's you know, going to poo poo you or watching out or anything like that. We're not going to collect data or anything like that. So, uh, head on over there and, um, that's it. Thanks again for coming on, Ian. That was a fun conversation. And,
1: uh, thanks guys. Mike, Maurice, thank, thank you both. That's uh, it's always you, a pleasure. To, thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Thank you. All right,
0: everybody stay safe out there. We love you.